0: remember as the song says it's five o'clock somewhere join us for some grown-up fun interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate inspire or just make you laugh and for more grown-up fun visit our website the three tomatoes and the three is spelled out and sign up for our newsletters now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode Before we start today's episode, I want to tell you about a wonderful little art book created by women for women that packs a big punch. It's called Know You're Crazy, and let's face it, we all have our own crazy, and in this beautiful collection of Vivian Beauchera's art prints, her little mad women as she calls them, art comes to life in the most delightful and relatable way. Learn more at knowyourcrazy.net. Greetings tomatoes. I'm Cheryl Benton, your host of this week's happy hour podcast. And we have a topic that makes me very, very happy and it makes my guest happy too. And that's books. And I am so excited to welcome Zibby Owens, who is the creator and host of Of the award winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, such a great name, where she has wonderful conversations with authors. The show has received top accolades, including being named a top literary podcast by Oprah.com. And now, Moms Don't Have Time has several brand extensions too. We have Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, Moms Don't Have Time to Write, and now Zibby has curated. Just this absolutely delightful book of original essays that were uh, written by several of the authors she's interviewed, and they wrote the essays during the quarantine. And it's called "Moms Don't Have Time to a Quarantine Anthology." So, welcome, Sivvy. Thank you.
1: Thanks for that nice introduction.
0: Oh well, I am first of all, I'm so excited to have uh, another book lover to talk to, and I do like you. I, I've been a lifelong Abbott book reader, and I was one of those kids who couldn't wait for summer vacation so I could read. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know how your love affair with books started. Um,
1: Since I was a kid also, I my mom used to take my brother and me to the public library in our little town in the summers. And we would bring a big tote bag and stuff it with as many books as possible and bring them home, read them all, run back to the library, (laughs) get a new stack. Um, So it's just been something that I've loved to do ever since I learned how to do it. And that's it. I just, it's never stopped.
0: And I read somewhere that you, when you were a kid, you used to write letters to some of the authors of the books you read.
1: I did. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I was a little a little fan, fangirl. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that. So before you started
0: your podcast, and of course, pre-pandemic, you were hosting literary salons and book fairs, and you were um, often moderating book discussions. So tell us a little bit about those, which hopefully we'll come back to, and how that led to your podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read.
1: So first was the podcast. Oh, so ah, okay. Yes. Yeah. So I started the podcast. Um, and one of my, I would say, first 20 or so guests was Danny Shapiro, who was friends with a friend of mine and also like my favorite author of all time. So it was such a huge honor to have her on the show. And as she was, we did it right here at my desk where I am right now. And then as I was walking here to the front door, she said, You know, I know that some, some people do salons where they have authors come and talk. And if you ever would want to do one, I'd be happy to you know, be your author for it. And I was like, you're on. (laughs) Let's do it. So um, I decided to start doing live author events in my house and just inviting everyone I knew. You know, I've grown up in New York City and I live here and I have kids at a million schools. And so I just end up knowing a lot of people. So I just blasted out the list and started inviting everybody. And then I also My husband and I used to love to entertain (laughs) back in the day when you could do that. And (laughs) we were having a cocktail party. And he said, why don't you invite some of the authors who have been on your podcast? And I was like, oh, gosh, I don't think they'd want to come. Like, do you think they'd want to come? And he's like, why wouldn't they want to come? I'm like, I don't know. Is that weird? Anyway, I invited them. Turned out that they were like the stars of the show. Everybody loved meeting the authors. So then I thought, wait, maybe I should do a whole event where I invite all the authors to meet all my friends and I sell their books at the same time. So that's how I came up with this book fair model. And I got all the books from Bookhampton and I put them all over my dining room and like turned my whole, like my whole like apartment became a bookstore. And I invited all the authors who had been on the podcast so far and all my friends and people did all their holiday shopping for books. And it was so much fun. And then I had uh Danny, Um, in conversation with another author, Piper Weiss. Um, And that just started off the salons. And then I kept going from there. So I did two book fairs a year based on the previous six months of guests. Although now I'm doing so many episodes, I'd have to do one like every week.
0: (laughs) Well, that is so great. That is so great. So do you think you might have, uh, you might bring back some of your real in-person book events? Oh, I would and-
1: love to. I would really, really love yeah. to. I I really enjoyed them. And it was a really special community of women who would come, some men, but just, it was always just so nice. And then we would go about the rest of our day with like a little spring in our step from that connection. So I hope I can bring them back.
0: Oh, I hope so too. And talk about, yes, doing a lot. I think you've done something like over 600 interviews. On, I mean, I that number overwhelmed me because we started our podcast, uh, Happy Hour podcast, I think a year and a half ago. And this is actually our 99th episode, by the way, which I'm like, that's a big deal. But then I'm like 600. I don't know how you're doing that. But I have listened to some of your interviews and I understand why they have become so popular because they're, they're so much fun because you genuinely are excited about the books it's obvious that you've read the books <laughs> and I and I have to make that point because I'm sure we both, we've both heard so many interviews with people about their books where it's clear that the interviewer, you know, had read the book jacket and <laughs> there's never anything in depth. So to actually be able to have a conversation um, that's, you know, really goes into depth with an author's book is a really wonderful thing and I think that's been probably part of your great success with this. So I know this question is going to kind of be like saying which of your kids are the favorite your favorites, but do you have any out of those 600 interviews, which is enormous. Do you have any interviews that really stood out for you or that you got so excited about doing?
1: Oh, I was excited about doing a lot of them. Um... I got really excited when Mitch Album came over and uh, we did a podcast together. I just couldn't believe he was like in my house, like hanging out <laughs> in front of my – Shoe closet, you know what I mean? Like, I just couldn't believe it. Um, uh, that was really exciting. And my husband had been a huge fan of his, um, as a sportscaster for so long, so we were both kind of starstruck by him. And then, like, yesterday, he just tweeted something about me, and I was like, Thanks, Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) Life was so crazy. Um, so that was, yeah, that was really fun to do in person
0: that's 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 terrific so I'm really i encourage everyone to start listening to your podcasts and, and everyone you. who loves books so before the pandemic you were a very busy mom i think you have four four children right and yes. some of them my <laughs> yes <laughs> and you were hosting podcasts and doing salons and then along came the pandemic which brought a lot of people to a halt but not you <laughs> And not to make, not to intimidate anyone, but you found ways to be even more creative. And during the quarantine, you hosted a daily Instagram live author talk, a weekly live show with your husband. You launched an online magazine with original author written essays called We Found Time. You started Zibby's Virtual Book Club. And you managed to publish this incredible book, Moms Don't Have Time. So what motivated you to do all this?
1: I know. It sounds crazy (laughs) when you say it like that. Um, I mean, this year has felt so long. So, yes, it sounds like I started a lot of stuff. But, like, when you think about us all being home every day, all day for a year, I mean – I like to st- I will have new ideas to start things like every day. So those are the ones that stuck <clears throat> um, in the past year. Um, was the question, how did I do it? Because I don't even know. <laughs> I, I don't even know. I just, I just have all these ideas all the time and I like to try stuff. And a lot of it feels very low risk to me. Um, I don't put a lot of, not, not to say I don't put thought into it. That makes me sound like very, you know, fly by the seat of my pants. I don't overthink it. I can overthink other parts of my life, which I do. Like I can stand in my closet and not get dressed for 20 minutes because I'm like, oh, I don't know. These pants, (laughs) you know, for no reason, even though I'm seeing nobody. But something like, should I launch another podcast? I'm usually like, why not? How much time would it take? Can I fit that in? How much cost? Not much cost. So I just keep doing things that are pretty low cost and low risk and trying them and seeing if they catch on or if I enjoy them. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I just you know, me, I love that because that is the mark of a true entrepreneur. And that's pretty much how I approach things too. So I, I love that because it's like, what I always say, what's the worst thing that can happen? It won't work and you'll tr- try something else. And you're right. Especially if it's something that's, you know, low cost and you can kind of get going easily. So I love that. You know, you keep trying new things and that's such an important message for so many women who are, um, and especially a lot of them right now, let's face it, a lot of women lost their jobs during the pandemic and they're trying to think what to do next. And there are so many, the, I think there are so many opportunities right now. And I don't know if you have felt this and I've seen so many, I think we've all seen it so much creativity too, that's come out of the pandemic. How do you feel about that? Have you seen the same? the same kinds of things, aside from
1: everything you've done. <laughs> aside from my great work. Um, have I seen a lot of creativity? Yes, for sure. I mean, I love watching people adapt um, and pivot and come up with new ways to communicate and convey information and get stories out into the world. Um, yes, I, I think that it's been it's been great. I think that at first, a lot of the authors I spoke to were really struggling. Um, right. Um, I think it's been harder for people to focus on things in depth. Um, I mean, when we look back, I'm sure this time will be like, seriously, like we were all hiding out from a deadly virus and putting all this pressure on ourselves to like create literature unrelated to the virus. Do you know what I mean like, of course, it's hard. Um, but yes, I think it's been a time where people have been able to regroup and think about what's important. and stop running around so much and figure out what's what they want to do what's important what they're excited to try um so in that way i guess yes they're you know and even just the ability to communicate with people from everywhere at any time has been a big boon but you know that's been a great thing and you said something too about not
0: running around all the time and i remember when we sort of first went into lockdown and I know so many of us experiences and looking at our calendars and realizing there was nothing on them. Yes. And and that was a little scary, but then it's then it was kind of like a relief. I kind of felt like this burden you know, got lifted from my shoulders. Like, whoa, I don't have to like do five things this week. But then what I started to realize is we all started to fill all that with Zooms. Like early on when I was yep. doing Zoom events, everybody would be there. Then I was like, Well, I can't do that night because I've got I have five other Zoom calls today. So somehow we've managed to uh, you know, take our calendars, which had been clear for a while and I think <laughs>
1: managed
0: fill them up again at least that was my experience oh my gosh I
1: had the same thing I remember there was one point during the pandemic when my empty calendar was you know stretching on forever that I had to look something up like in a past calendar maybe like when I did a podcast or something and I remember like putting it in the search bar and going back and being like oh my gosh look at my calendar like look how many things were on it because I also have like color-coded calendars for each child and then I have my <laughs> calendar and then I have my podcast calendar and I was just like how was I doing all those pickups and drop-offs and like how was I even doing that and keeping it all straight and then I was like oh how nice that I have nothing now of course my calendar is already you know overflowing I'm like what am I even doing today
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly
1: but I do kind of
0: think that may- maybe I mean I know when you know we're all starting to do things again and everybody's going to have so much, there's going to be so much pent up demand for getting out and doing things again. But I kind of think maybe that pause, maybe we'll look a little more carefully about, you know, what are the things I really want on my calendar now? And I, I think I've been doing some of that soul searching, you know, what was really important and, you know, and the importance of finding that time to be able to, to read, to write,
1: <laughs> to publish yep. a book—all the great things that you've done too. So, um, it's—I know—I'm—I'm I'm almost a little nervous about because I've filled my time now. Like when you yeah. mentioned, are you going back to events? I'm like, oh yeah. And then I'm thinking to myself as I'm saying this, how on earth am I going to do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> where is where is the time going? Where am I going to take right. that out?
0: Right. Right.
1: So. Exactly. I kind of feel that way too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So now let's talk about this wonderful book. And it is, it's such a delightful book. It's again, it's called moms don't have time to a quarantine anthology. And it's these really wonderful short essays and I'll I'll emphasize that. And uh, we're going to talk about how you organized it and some of the essays, but I think what's really so wonderful about it. It's, it's a pretty, you know, compact book that you could actually drop into your, into your handbag if you're going someplace or just pick up around the house or if you have it on your phone. And instead of when you have a few minutes of downtime, instead of mindlessly scrolling through that time sucker Facebook, <laughs> you could actually be reading a really great essay. So thank
1: you for putting this together for everybody. So tell me how the book came about. Even better, you can read an essay and then post about it on Facebook. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the book actually came about as the a compilation of all the essays I released during the pandemic from We Found Time. So I had started, before the pandemic, I wanted to make like a big, splashy website, kind of like a goop for moms. And I was going to have it all designed and everything great. And I hired a team. I was going to work with these two editors, Alyssa Altman and Claire Gibson. And, um, and, then, and so we had started commissioning essays ahead of the pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, I scrapped all those plans and um, begged a girlfriend of mine I used to work with for my first job out of college, who was a designer, to just like make my own website look a little bit nicer, <laughs> to throw them up there. Um, and we called it We Found Time because suddenly we all had so much time. So um, we took those essays and started posting them. And then that lasted about three months. And then I figured in the summer, maybe we didn't have as much time anymore. It seemed like things were going back to normal. Um, So I put that on hold and sort of closed that magazine, if you will. And then in September, I was like, wow, I wonder how many essays I ended up publishing on my website and so I went back and I was like wait a minute and so I started copying and pasting into one big document and I was like this is a book like this is a book and it's and then I realized this is a, such an easy sell because I had contracts already with every author and in the contract I had said in case I make this into an anthology that I had the rights to the the story to publish because um, in the back of my head I was like maybe so that's how the anthology came to be and I took all those essays. Um, and at towards the end, I had involved Carolyn Murnick, who did a bunch of the editing. And I packaged it up and I just pitched this one publisher that I knew could turn things around super quickly. Um Skyhorse has a different distribution model um, and printing model, um, which I knew from this one meeting I had with them. So right. I called so them. So it wouldn't
0: was, be, you knew it wouldn't be two years. <laughs> no, because <laughs> you know, I did talk to time. one
1: I talked to one traditional publisher who said, you know, this will be outdated before it even comes out. It'll take a year. And I was like, no, no, I need this out in like two months. So I was, I talked to Skyhorse and I was like, yeah, but I need this out in like a couple of weeks. You know, you said you could do a book in two weeks. Um, so it, that was, we started talking in September and it came out February 16th, which is still pretty quick.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely terrific. I love it. And one of the things that I think is, is very cool about the book is the way it's organized in, into some cool categories. So can you talk about how you, the categories yes. that the essays are organized around?
1: They're organized around five things that moms don't have time to do eat, work out, read, breathe, and have sex, um, which I thought were sort of the top of the list. Um, and then I actually, I have another anthology coming out in November, which will be called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids, which I thought was really funny. And those topics um, are, an- those are another five topics. Those were like my B list of t- things moms didn't have time to do, moms don't have time to sleep, get sick, see friends, write, and lose weight. So I feel like those 10 got us off you know, on a good start. But I have, there are obviously so many more because essentially (laughs) moms don't have time to do anything. And the joke of it all is like, without these things, what is life? I mean, these are really, this is everything that makes life worth living is the things we don't have time to do. So um, we really have to make time for them. So it's all kind of tongue in cheek.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. So tell us about some of the essays in here. And I just, honestly, I mean, we could pick anyone because they're all terrific. And I know you have a couple of ones that I really liked about, you know, gaining weight, I think we all kind of related to that during the pandemic with kind of mindless eating, finding time to exercise. Um, So tell us about the couple of yours that are in here and and maybe highlight some of the others.
1: Yes. um, Yes. I wrote one in the eat column about my sort of lifelong struggle with, um, you know, these extra, well, I used to say like 10 pounds. Now I'm going to say 20 maybe. (laughs) I don't know. The extra pounds that keep creeping up and, um, you know, my relationship with the scale and how I had sort of not wanted to get on the scale the whole pandemic. And I finally had to buy one because my pediatrician needed me to weigh the kids for like a Zoom checkup appointment. Um, And I did one on how at the beginning in particular of the pandemic, I was so riddled with anxiety that I was running a lot. um, And that was like the only way I was sort of coping with it. Um, Although, Towards the end, I like stopped working out altogether, but that's okay. We don't have to talk about that. And um, I had another essay that I wrote about my husband um, and how I basically just got so caught up in the day to day stuff of like folding laundry and taking care of all these tasks that when he finally brought me this like perfectly made s'more, which hearkened back to one of our first trips that we ever took as a romantic couple that I did without my kids. Cause he's my second husband and I'd never expected to fall in love again at 40. And um, anyway, he brought me this perfect s'more and I was like, oh, I'm too busy. I, you know, whatever. And I didn't eat it. And it was so, it was such <laughs> a mistake. And I, you know, I threw the s'more in the garbage the next morning and like, couldn't believe that I had let all of life's, you know, Like, would it have been such a big deal to put down the laundry for two minutes and eat a s'more? Like, what was I thinking? So, anyway, just, like, losing sight of what's important. So, those are some of mine. And then there's one where, like, Kyle and I have a little, that's my husband, um, a little dialogue about step parenting. So, we put that in. Um, But I loved a lot of the essays. I mean, there are all different types of things from – like Beth Rick and writing about like how she bakes challah to stay calm and like different rituals people used in the breathe category to kind of center themselves and, um, uh, like Liz Astroff wrote this hilarious, although sad essay. Like moms don't have time to cry about how she would store up all the things to cry about, and like let them out in one fell swoop. And then there are more like literary essays by Renee Denfeld, um, who wrote about growing up homeless and her relationship with food as a result of actually starving. And um, Sarah Shepard going running and I mean they're just all different Chris Bajalian and finding these journals he'd written as a kid and that his parents had saved and um, Evangeline Lilly the actress talking about going to the movies and sneaking away one day and um, there are just all sorts of topics that I think are Hopefully, just super relatable. Not, not particular. I mean, maybe not being a movie star going to see a movie, but (laughs) you know, other other ways that we. But but really, it was because it's all about. I read that one. It was right. They all. Um. I mean, her life might not be the same as ours, but so many of her feelings are. I mean, Evangeline's amazing and um, really just sort of soulful and introspective and everything. So, um yeah, I think it's, it's just such a nice mix. It's like going to a a cocktail party or something and having like really nice, deep conversations with a bunch of people. So.
0: Well, it's terrific. And I'm just really, it's a gift to all of us right now. So I really thank you for, for putting this together. So I know you have a million creative ideas every morning. So what's next? I know you're going to do anthology number two. What other things do you have on your, uh,
1: well, yesterday, uh, creative
0: (laughs) list here?
1: Yes. Yesterday, um, I announced this fellowship that I'm starting, which I'm really excited about called the moms don't have time to fellows. Um, and every year I'm going to select two to four debut, uh, memoirist authors, all women, um, to write books, um, or that have books already in progress. And I'm going to pair them up with an editor. And I have two editors who I've selected who are going to work on the four books. Um, And I'm going to help them with the whole process of getting an agent and selling their books and sort of standing behind them and then having them on my podcast and having them write for moms don't have time to write the medium publication and, you know, basically putting my little umbrella empire, if you will, around their books. So I'm really excited about the four women I've picked um, and I'm excited to help them on their book journeys too. So I'm, I'm really excited about that.
0: Oh, Zibby, that's wonderful. What a great thing to do. And by the way, we should mention too that the proceeds of um, your, your anthology are going to, uh, is it vaccination research, COVID vaccination research?
1: Yes. Yeah. um, my mother in law um, sadly passed away from COVID after a six week uh. horrific illness this summer, last summer. And my grandmother in law also, her mother passed away right before she did. And it was just awful. So um, I've all proceeds of the book, I, I named it after my mother in law, the Susan Felice Owens Program for COVID 19 vaccine research at Mount Sinai Health System. And Mount Sinai is coming up with a low cost vaccine for developing nations, um, which is stable at higher temperatures and administered once through the nose. So I'm trying to help that vaccine come into being.
0: That is that is really fantastic. And that's something that's so important and that we don't hear enough about. And that's the fact that you know third world countries aren't getting the same benefits that we are, by the way. And how and also the different you know conditions and circumstances that you have to be able to deliver a vaccine there. So bravo to you. That's 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 wonderful. So I can't tell this way. So flew by. I'm going to have to have you <laughs> on as a guest again because you're, you're so fun to talk to and so engaging and you're just brimming with great ideas and energy. So keep up all the great work and keep highlighting books. So thank you. I love it.
1: Oh, thank you. This was so fun. You were great to talk to. I hope uh, we can continue uh, another time.
0: <laughs> I hope. So, I hope so too.
1: Okay.